Hello and welcome to episode 74 of The Brand Lounge, where every Thursday we feature insightful brand stories to showcase the hundreds of ways that businesses are started, the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, and to reassure you that you're not doing this thing alone. I'm Tammy Heels, your host and founder of Shadowcat Creative, where I'm a personal brand and marketing consultant. And today I am joined once again by Amanda O'Rourke, coach and mentor for female entrepreneurs. Thank you so much for coming back, Amanda. It's my pleasure, Tammy. In the last episode, Amanda and I talked about what it's really like to go through a visualization process, but more importantly, the science behind why it works. So if you're curious about any of that, make sure that you rack it up on the playlist and go and have a listen if you missed it. And today, Amanda, we're talking all about you and your business. So let's start with the beginning, always a good place to begin. Um, What was it that inspired you to start your business? So um, got a bit of a different story, I guess. It's I came from a, a, another business. I, I ran a, a cleaning franchise called Molly Maid. And um, about three years before I sold that business, I had a notion of helping people through coaching. I realized the power of my words and my influence within my, uh, my team was massive and how I could bring people on and encourage them and how much of a difference that made to, um, to my um, employees. It was quite easy to see how you can positively influence people and also help them in the way that they think about themselves, but also in the way that they interact with other people. And I was always one for encouraging people to communicate well. So if somebody had an issue with another person, I would always say to them, first and foremost, have you spoken to them about it? Quite often the answer would be, no, why would I do that? And so <laughs> it was quite it was quite um, quite nice to be able to point somebody in the right direction rather than giving them um, sort of advice or just counselling them on the issue that they had. So that kind of stimulated my my interest in, in coaching, but I knew that I'd need some professional training. So when I when I sold my business, I took a few weeks off and then I started my training. So I took some professional training, which took about five, six months in total. Um, and then I launched my coaching practice. I'm really quite nervous now because, because there was no real brand um, kind of thought process or anything like that. I did get a great web designer on board and I did get some great photographs by um, a super photographer who knew exactly what to, to do. And, and she uh, encouraged me to find uh, photographs on Pinterest that would, would be my kind of photograph, what I wanted to show as as my brand but I I really didn't give it much more thought than that so I'm so sorry (laughs) in advance (laughs) honestly it is it is okay this is your brand story this is your business journey and I feel like it's important to highlight the fact that sometimes that's one of the most important things to a business owner and sometimes it's not and both are fine and both are valid so I mean you still have a successful business so it's not like it's gonna I, I think that's true but I think it's also a bit of a masterclass in maybe not the way around to do it because I feel like if, if I'd given more thought to my brand first then that would have led to different photographs and a different sort of web design maybe but I was just lucky that my hands were held by good professionals in that in those circumstances and it wasn't until later that I started to think about my brand colors my brand look and that then led to changes in my website and my photographs. So, you know, it's kind of a costly exercise if you don't think about it first. Yeah, it definitely can be. But I think it's also testament to the fact that 
you know, we adapt and grow and change as business owners so quickly, particularly in like the first six to 12 months or even 12 to 18 months. That first important chunk of time is generally about finding out who we are as business owners as much as it is about building a business. And I feel like if you kick off right at the beginning with investing huge amounts of money in your in your branding, you may find that you're not actually the person that you expected to be in business. So in 12 months time, actually, that may have been a misinvestment. So, you know, I think it's one of those things that there's not really a right or wrong answer. I think brand is an integral part of business, but like there are optimal times when you can consider it. And that's really down to the individual. But yeah, it's interesting. It's yeah, I find it. I always find it interesting and curious to to hear the thought process behind it. (laughs) Well, it's quite reassuring that I might not have got it wrong after all that I thought. <laughs> I don't think you can go wrong. I think you can do things that maybe will cost time, but I don't think if you're a passionate and keen business owner and good at what you do and passionate about what you do and want to help people and have that impact, I don't think that you can make a wrong decision. It's just it may cost you a bit more time. Right. That a bit makes more sense. time, a bit more stress. <laughs> <laughs> But it's not the make or break. But um, when it comes to, we'll talk more about your brand story and your branding as a whole, kind of a little bit later in the episode. But if we can focus kind of on the on the business for now. So you had your um, cleaning business franchise and before you moved into coaching, did you ever work in full-time employment, corporate employment, anything like that? Or have you always owned your own businesses? No, I had a corporate career for 18 years before I quit and just left and very impulsively thought that's it I'm done I mean I'm exaggerating probably for about six months before I left my corporate job I was unhappy and I think that for different people it's different experiences but I do know that this is quite a common story that people get frustrated in what they're doing and it causes them quite a lot of um, grief frustration resentment and for me, it was certainly something which was always going to be on the cards. I think I did a I did a, a curious uh, exercise. You know these um, workshops that you do sometimes in a corporate entity, and they they ask you questions. Uh, so you're given a scenario, and you have to work together as a team to fathom out what the best manoeuvre might be. So we were dropped in the middle of a desert. It was a plane crash. We had several things that we items that we had to choose and. We were then scored on how we performed as a team. And at the end of the exercise, the chap who was running it came over to me and looked at my score and he said, you know, you'd have been better off on your own, <laughs> which, which, which I thought was amusing, but actually was telling. It was for me, you need to be working on your own. I, I really wasn't built for a corporate life. I, I wasn't, I was a bit too much of a rebel, to be honest. I, <laughs> I wanted to run the ship my way and that obviously isn't quite so good because you then end up challenging people and maybe behaving inappropriately, pushing, you know, the envelope a bit too far. So I, when I left, you were quite right in the previous episode, we were talking about how much you learn about yourself and you were saying earlier about how you develop as an entrepreneur in your first few years. I certainly learned a hell of a lot about myself in my first 
um, year at, at Molly Made in my business franchise, things that I had buried deep that I didn't acknowledge that I wasn't very good at, that I certainly had to become very good at quite quickly or else my business would bomb. So that was quite interesting. But the corporate, I, I don't regret the corporate life because I think that taught me a lot about management and it gave me, there was a lot of educational things going on that I didn't recognise at the time were educational, but so I had a boss who was excellent and he taught me a lot about compassion and about empathy and things that really helped me later down the line. I'm glad that there was good within the bad. I think it's always easier to remember. It's ironic, isn't it? Because they always say with a relationship and a breakup, it's easy to remember the good times. But with corporate, I find that and career wise, it's always easier to remember the negatives. <laughs> yeah, no, you're so right. You're so right. Because I think when you're leaving, especially if you're leaving because you want to leave, or you're desperate to leave. It's very easy to focus on that. Oh, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. So I deliberately went back over it a few years afterwards and thought no there were some really good things there and I had maternity leave for two years whilst I was working in the corporate world so I cannot resent it because you know that was very beneficial to me financially as well as anything else so it's not something I'd ever regret. Absolutely I'm curious though so you you were became aware that you were probably going to be better off working by yourself. Bit of a rebel, which I love. But then you moved into a franchise and managed a team before going solo in your coaching business. So how did that come about? Was it just that you wanted to be the boss, but you still wanted that team aspect? I wanted to be the boss. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I think I wanted to navigate my own path I wanted to um within the confines of a, a franchise obviously because I think I saw the benefit of a franchise in as much as it's a proven model it's a you know it's a business in a box kind of thing and um once you've seen how the the figures play out you know that it's it, it's bound to be successful unless you do something really wrong and that's what actually happened for me I, I was I'm very much even though I say I'm a rebel if you give me a bunch of rules I'll, I'll abide by them yeah. so it's it's about you know making sure that um you, you sort of stay within the confines of the agreement and I, I I wasn't shirking the looking after a team that wasn't that wasn't part of my plan it was more about leading the team rather than actually being led and nobody over me saying you can't do that or you can't have next week off you know which is what came later is that you could have that freedom to choose when you take time off and you know going for sports days in the middle of the afternoon or going to the the kids nativity at the end of you know in December where nobody can have time off you know it's it's that kind of freedom that I think I was hankering after and I think that the most challenging aspect of that was leading the team if I'm honest because that's other people um, and so I think in a long-winded way to answer your question I think what I realized is that not that I was better off on my own in the coaching thing but coaching for me has become a much more simplified business because I am not responsible for anyone else you know, I had 20 employees and I was responsible for all of their needs in terms of their their wages and their pastoral care, if you like. You know, sort of I ended up being an agony aunt for a while for a couple of the girls. And, you know, you have to take on board their their background as well. So it can be quite consuming. Yeah, I can imagine. And I can only imagine because I haven't experienced this, but I can imagine that going from being a part of the team where you're being led so you're only experiencing kind of the emotional I don't want to say burden because that's not really fair but when you're a part of a team there's a lot of conversations and you tend to carry each other in certain ways whether it's friendships whether it's working relationships whether it whatever it is teamwork but when you're the boss I feel like 
you're the one that has to carry the brunt of that. And if you are someone who recognizes that you flourish more so on your own, it must feel, and please let me know if I'm, if I'm incorrect, but it must feel kind of weightier being the one carrying the entire team as opposed to carrying the weight of being part of a team when neither of those are kind of where you flourish. Yeah, and and that's I think that's where it was really. I think one of the things I struggled with particularly initially was was not having control over those other people as in you know I was their boss but I couldn't control their emotions, I couldn't control how they were and and that was for me a big lesson was that you know, you have to let that be, you have to do what you can, what's within your control, but then everything else is up to that other individual. And slowly but surely, I got to realise that actually, if you nurture the relationship you have with that person, then the way that they think and the way they act can actually change uh, in a way that, that pleases both of you. But it is it is quite a difficult thing, like you say, there's that you have to be very careful. It's very lonely at the top as well. You have to be careful not to buy into everyone else's emotional journey because your business is at risk. And so you you feel partly that you need to support and help everybody. But then in doing that, where's your emotional need being met? So you have to protect yourself. You have to instill quite strict boundaries about what you will and won't do with those individuals. Yeah. It's really curious that you then almost took that role forward into your career as a coach as well. So do you feel that by moving through into coaching that was kind of a really clear way of you being able to define boundaries of how you can help and support others whilst not taking on their emotional their emotional side as well absolutely I think it for me it was taking the best of what I had before and and yeah and harnessing that rather than having all of the other things to deal with so you know when you're coaching business owners which is what I do is you are helping them to have those same sort of realizations but it's it's done in a way that you're not going to be emotionally invested in them you want what they want obviously I want what my clients want all the time for them but it's not like your your business is you know, hinged on it. It's, you know, you don't rise and fall on the basis of the choices your clients make. Whereas when they're your employees, you do. (laughs) And that's the difference. You know, if if a client, if a a client sort of decides they want to, you know, fire somebody, then it's, it's up to them. But if, if I decide I need to fire somebody, then it, then it, it affects my business directly. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. So do you think that there was a moment of realization when you were like, Hey, this is what I think I want to do now? Or was it a gradual process that kind of moved you from through? Cause it, it sounds like it's all been leading you right up to where you're, where you are now, which is wonderful to kind of see the progression. Here's a question. Do you think you ever would have taken the leap from your corporate job straight into coaching, knowing what you know now? Or do you think that that middle step was really integral in your business journey? I think it was integral. Yeah, because I think, and I mean, you know, I don't want to offend anybody who might be listening, but I just think business coaches are great. But I think if you can get a coach who really knows what it feels like to run a business, you've got a direct source of empathy and compassion there, which is, is, you know, insurmountable. You can't really convey that if you've not run your own business. Um, You can't understand what it's like to have employees who aren't playing ball (laughs) Um, or, you you know, to not be able to take holiday for two years 
because you you can't get the cover that you need. It's those sort of um, that understanding. I would love to have done that to have leapt straight from my corporate job into coaching. And I, I sometimes think, why didn't why didn't I do this earlier? But I do think that everything happens for a reason. And this reason was to give me the grounding I needed to be able to help people properly. Yeah, it's really curious, isn't it? When we look back and reflect on how we got to where we are, the good and the bad, it all, it you know, it's one of those, would you go back in time and change what you did? It's like, well, you wouldn't be the same person, would you? Yeah, and I, I what I try and do now is try not to judge them as good and bad because they all led me here. So, you know, at the time you might think of something as bad, but it, it's it's like you try and sort of see it in a in a different light so that it still led you here. It's like regret. You know, sometimes you can regret a decision, but then you think, but actually, if I didn't, if I hadn't made that decision, would I still now be here? Yeah. So it's recognizing that that's not necessarily good or bad. It's just what happened. I love it. I love looking back at things like this. So I would also love to know with your coaching business, and then we'll dig into a bit more on your branding side, but for your coaching business, the way that it's been progressed, would you say that it's quite drastically different to where it was when you started out specifically with your coaching? Or do you feel that you just kind of hit your rhythm because you had had that experience before and it had been, you'd almost done that development work beforehand? Yeah, I think it has evolved, certainly. And I think that we were talking earlier in the the, the previous podcast about confidence and visualising. And I think the one thing that I hadn't really paid attention to was who I was going to be as a coach, what I wanted to achieve for my clients. Um, when you start out, and there's a lot of um, self-management work in the training that I did about, it's not about you, it's about the other person, it's about service. But inevitably, when you start out in a new venture, it is all about you. You're thinking about how can I help? What can I be? Who can I serve? What can what can I do? And how am I going to make the money work? And all of these things going on. And it's, it is very, very sort of inward focused. And so I think that's what I started as. That's, that's how it started for me. And after a while, that kind of then starts to transpose into a more outward shining sort of um, perspective. So you so then you, then you start to think about, OK, my confidence is here now. I've coached, you know, quite a bit. Now I, I've got to really think about the other person much more so than I have previously. And so it's about giving more uh, for free. And uh, and I'm not talking about free coaching per se. I'm talking about content, giving away things that, you know, like the podcasts and all the things I've participated in where I've just thinking, how many people could this help? You know, if, if people download this and 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 I know the power of words, I know, and you probably know yourself that you might have heard something random at some point in your life and it's just stayed with you forever and you think wow that's just so powerful I'm never going to forget that and I think that's the beauty of words and the way we can uh, translate this to people now is that one sentence could be all you need to hear to to make your life different yeah the power of words is just I think that's a whole other episode series season (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So we could, uh, we could, but yeah, I'm not even going to start delving into that, but maybe <laughs> you and I should have a conversation again in the future because that's something that I could talk about for hours as well. Perfect. So let's dig into a little bit more around your branding. Um, so your your business name, how did you decide on what you wanted to call your coaching business? What was kind of the thought process behind it? There wasn't much, if I'm honest. 
I went to see a friend of mine who's quite a successful coach. She helps coaches, consultants, therapists, business owners in that regard. And I spent a day with her on a kind of VIP day. Um, We had a massively exciting day together. And um, her name is her coaching name as well. And so I kind of was just led by the nose there, I'm afraid. Um, I didn't have any massive aspirations to call it sort of anything you know, spectacular and quite a lot of the good names are gone anyway. So um, I just thought I'd, I'd stick with my name as my brand. Um, and that's as far as I went with the actual process of determining that. There may be some little sprouts at some point, you know, where I'll have a little offshoot of a brand, but not anything in the pipeline at the moment. I'm curious, though, because your website address isn't your isn't your name. No, it's not. That was funny because I think it's it's interesting when you explore this because that process was done with my husband so we were looking at domain names and and he was throwing all these domain names that were available out to me and I was like nah nah don't like that don't like that don't like that and I said he said well what do you stand for and I said well I really want people to be happy I want happiness to be the core of my coaching so he looked up um happycoach.com and it was gone um but then he looked up happycoach.co.uk which is my website and it was still there and as soon as he said it that's it that's the one and you know what it's it's a bit like you know when you know you're making the right decision about something and people have called me the happy coach which is quite funny I just think it's more about what I stand for rather than I'm a clown or I'm a you know a funny person it's more about that that happiness is what everybody wants that's you know when people say oh you know I want to be rich why because I want to be able to do what I want to do why because I want to spend more time with my family. Why? Because it makes me happy. Ah, there we go. <laughs> it always ends with is it because it how it makes you feel. It makes you feel happy. And it's the fulfillment, the happiness that is what is a large part of my coaching is to try and get people to the point where that they feel that they're fulfilled, but also that the life is is happy and it's within their grasp. I think that that's a perfect example as well. Listeners, if you're listening and you're like, I'm not quite sure what to call my business. I don't know what to do. I can't choose between the two. Like you've, you've done a perfect blend between them. It's almost like you've named your business after yourself because that felt right. That felt aligned. That felt practical. Brilliant. You know, there are huge benefits to using your own name within your business name and then you've almost channeled your purpose and some of your values through your domain name because it helps people to identify and there will be pros and cons to doing that but I feel like if that's what feels right for you if that has that gut reaction where you're like yes that's what I want to have then absolutely go for it I think that is great yeah and I think like with the with the website if you make sure the SEO is right you know if somebody searches on my business name that website will come up straight away you know so it, it like you say it can be confusing but hopefully not so much that people are put off by it I think that there's a lot of outdated information out there as well because I mean it depends on the kind of consumer that you are but for me personally if I was to be looking for a coach I wouldn't hire someone just by landing on their website. I would go and find out about them. So their website name is kind of largely irrelevant because it's just the address of finding more content. Whereas I would probably go explore their social channels. I'd probably follow them for like six to 12 months before anything else consume their content and everything like that. So having the website address that isn't the same as your business name isn't necessarily as much of an issue as it used to be because we have social media to gather that extra information now yeah 
Yeah. And I think that's quite that's quite true. Interesting you saying about following somebody for six to 12 months, because that's what I do when I'm looking for a coach as well. (laughs) And it's quite it's quite common in the industry, apparently. Um, Something I didn't really kind of buy into or or factor into my business plan, if you like, that, you know, it might take me six to 12 months to gather a really good sort of um, amount of of clients but um but yeah so anybody new to coaching that's building a coaching business just factor that in it's just a little tip from me (laughs) yeah absolutely I completely agree and I think that any service-based business we we tend to have a longer pipeline lead time customer journey whatever you want to call it it takes longer for people to buy from us because we are selling services and we're selling our brains rather than selling Yes. Selling a product. So there is a longer lead time. But I think echoing and building on what you've said there, my best advice is always don't show up online to get clients. Show up online so that when they're ready to become clients, you're there already. I like that. That's good. Well, it just, I mean, it takes the pressure off you as well. It means that you're not sat there having to post and go, how many leads am I going to get from this one piece of content? Instead, it's kind of, oh, I'm just going to show up because this is where I always hang out. This is where I always go and then people will find you yes no that's that's good advice it can be tricky when you're a coach because it is very much around you so when it came to defining yourself as a coach a seamless segue there (laughs) when you were deciding on what you wanted to stand for I am going to take the assumption that that has been built over kind of the space of time over the corporate career making the decision to run your own business and then the experience you had of running that franchising business but when it came to kind of defining your brand strategy and kind of how you wanted to be perceived by your potential clients and how you wanted to niche down was that something that you actively spent time on in one lump sum or was it something that you just kind of went with the flow for a little bit to see how you established I think it was a mixture if I'm honest I worked with a marketing strategist for six months. We were more focused on uh, building my group. And um, so there was there was um, an aspect of looking at the brand strategy, but it was more about the reach, getting getting sort of uh, getting my name out there. And then I, I then worked with a mentor who looked again at the, the strategy, but she deep dived into the brand and the niche and what I was looking to achieve just what you just um, said so there was a combination but it was interesting when we started talking about my brand I really fought it don't know whether that's normal but again I think my little rebel was coming out it's like I don't need to do this you know I was taking the advice of a millionaire she's a multi-millionaire this mentor and I was like I don't need to do this but then you know it was a group coaching program everyone else started doing it I was thinking ah, maybe I should so I I started I started looking at it so looking at colors and looking at fonts and all that sort of thing but also it was like you said it was about what do you want to communicate from your brand what what do you want people to feel so I, I think that gave me a lot to think about um, in terms of the way that I was being perceived by people who who saw my branding. And yeah, it, it was definitely, it's been a long road. <laughs> Did you find that you felt differently about your business after you had gone through that branding process? Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah, it felt more, I know this is going to sound bad, but it felt more like a business. I felt more um, motivated to, to be on brand. And I still struggle with that sometimes because I want to put a pretty picture up and think, oh, that's lovely, but it doesn't really suit the font I've chosen as my main font. But how oh, well, you know, but you kind of have to bring it, you know, rein it back in, don't you? But it's, it, it is about what it conveys, I think. And yeah, the content, 
as well as anything else that's really curious I I love I love I love hearing how people feel before and after their brand particularly from someone where because it's not uncommon to kind of rebel against the process and anyone who does any form of branding like I I rebel against the own, my own process because it's just it's one of those things it's like ah it's fine I know what I stand for we're all good I don't need to define it but once you go through that process of actually putting some focus and structure around it it really does like you said it makes it feel like almost like a new business or it makes it feel like more of a business because you've given it that attention and that bit of nurturing like giving it a bit of a groom yes yeah but also it's like you said about you know when you've established your brand it's about somebody looking at a post by you and knowing instantly it's yours rather than oh that's a nice quote oh it's Amanda you know it's it's more about it it shows up as as yours before they've even read your little logo you know it's that's quite clever yeah and everything that we talked about in the last episode as well as this one as well is that emotional connection it's making sure that your like your marketing and your branding is your opportunity to communicate a feeling you want them to have without having to say anything to them and that is just like again the power of words like branding allows you to have that without the words yes yeah yeah, I, I get that. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> cool. So one other question, because if you, you said that you work with a marketing strategist, I know, is it a Facebook group that you have that you put some focus on in that initial stage? Is it? Yes, yes, Facebook group, yes. Perfect. So when it comes to marketing your business, I'm always curious about this. I'll give you an option. What would be either the most effective or your favourite way of marketing your business? I think, so my platform of choice now is LinkedIn and I enjoy getting to know people on LinkedIn through sort of either direct messaging or through my posts where people engage on the post and sometimes that'll go off into a direct message and that's that's quite a nice way to get to know people on a very warm level rather than just cold messaging them and saying you know hey (laughs) which you get a lot or hello dear that's another one that I was like a favorite of mine no me neither me neither it's just what do you say hello (laughs) so I think but I love I love podcasting I think podcasting is a good way to um, market your business because people get to know you properly and I think that's the difference with any service-based industry where it's a based around the individual you need to get to know them and so video is a good way to communicate as well so you actually see the person and and you said earlier about you know stalking or not you didn't say stalking I'd say stalking. oh no I'd say stalking (laughs) (laughs) stalking somebody for six months before you actually decide they're the person for you the way you do that is through seeing them in reality so either audio video or having a conversation with them you know I've picked up clients through networking because that's how you you can build that you know like no trust sort of trilogy that people talk about but actually on on social media I think the only way that I've really gotten to know the people that I've worked with chosen to work with that is is by watching them on video or listening to their podcast that's really interesting so do you do you have a podcast of your own I know that you do a, a lot of video content Um, But do you have your own podcast as well? Not at the moment. (laughs) It's probably it's it's on the agenda, but I think it's from I'm I'm all about no overwhelm. Right. So if I took on a podcast right now, I think I probably would be on the I'd be teetering on the brink of overwhelm because 
you know, I'm on a few social platforms and I do quite a lot of guest podcasts as well. So to, to have my own as well would probably be a, a step too far at the moment. It's definitely on the horizon, something I would definitely consider. Yeah, that's something that's really interesting as well, because I've spoken to a lot of people, clients, people who listen to this as well. And they do ask around the commitment of running a podcast. But I think that you've brilliantly highlighted an alternative to running your own podcast, which is guesting on it. So that's something that you do would you say you do that regularly fairly frequently so how do you have any advice for listeners who are out there going you know what I'm not ready for my own podcast yet because of the commitment technical whatever reasons but I'd love to be a guest how do you have any advice on how they could go about doing that yeah I mean first protocol probably would be there's a few Facebook groups that are around podcast guesting so I think there's podcast guest connection podcast guest collaboration there's there's probably quite a few more out there. Um, so sign up to them um, and then just watch out for for things that would fit your genre. I think one of the things I've got a few friends who are podcasters themselves and what frustrates them the most is when people have no interest whatsoever in the content of the podcast. They're just looking to promote themselves. So they try and mold themselves to fit whatever it is that the podcast is looking for I would definitely look out specifically for something that's really going to excite you so when you were talking about your podcast Tammy and said visualization I was like yes please <laughs> you know my <laughs> hand was waving and I was jumping up and down you know it's that, that's kind of for me that's I would get excited about that and that's what I would want to talk about but if you said to me oh I'm looking for somebody to talk about elephants in Africa I'm not exaggerating. Some people still would say, well, I've worked with people, um, you know, for PTSD and I'd like to talk to you about how they could use maybe elephants in that field. You know, no, it's just so it's about being sensible about what you're reaching out for. But I think there's so many opportunities there now. You can get some really great connections through the podcasts as well. You know, I'm still in touch with quite a few of the people I've, I've done podcasts with and we support each other on social media and it's a great way to network. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. I feel like, I mean, I started this podcast because I wanted to have these conversations and I wanted to meet more businesswomen and it has absolutely facilitated that. But it's also helped me become a better communicator as well, which has just been a marvellous side effect that I never expected. Uh, you may not think it with me tripping over my words all the time, but learning to ask better <laughs> questions and having these rather than the generic when you're networking, it's like, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so. What do you do? Is like now it's kind of, tell me about your dreams. Tell me about your brand vision. How did you get started? Like these are wonderful conversations to be having. So perfect. Thank you for sharing that. I think that that's really helpful advice to hear from someone who does you know, guest frequently as a form of networking and marketing. I think that is wonderful to hear because I think it often gets knocked over as a bit of a novelty, really. I think if you can find something you're excited to talk about, then it it becomes easy as well. And I think that's the thing a lot of people might be quite nervous, like you said about, you know, they might not feel that their communication skills are are very good. But I think, you know, just always bear in mind there's editing, you know, if you do stumble, I mean, I say, you know, quite a lot just to draw everybody's so. attention to it. <laughs> first, first time I listened back to my first, my very first podcast, I was like horrified. I was like, oh, can they edit all of those out, please? I just, <laughs> but nobody else seemed to notice. So it was quite, quite funny, but I'm doing a, a bite-sized a book review podcast at the moment. I love, love talking about books. So find something that you really enjoy talking about and it'll just come easy. Brilliant. And then use that content and promote it everywhere. <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely. Amazing. So my last question for you today then, Amanda, will be, well, my second to last, but hey, the last one for the interview will be um, from everything that you've experienced, from the way that your businesses have developed, everything like that, what would be the one key piece of advice that you'd like to share with the listeners today? If anything, I, I would say that self-care has become the most important aspect of me running a business and it transformed my first business because I was neglecting myself so building some sort of routine into your into your business world where you can actually look after yourself is far more important than you probably currently give credence to and I think that if you can find something that you can do every single day that nurtures you then you will become a better business person because of it certainly that was my experience and it still is that you know, you miss things when you don't buy, uh, you know, build them into your day, but do something every day that serves you. I love that. That's wonderful advice. I think that self-care can be really game changing as long as you really lean into it rather than just using kind of the vanity self-care that we tend to see a lot on social media. Yeah, I think I think that's very true. I mean, I'm all about trying to avoid burnout. So you you really do need to notice those signs. But try and sort of stave off any any sort of incidents of of stress that you can I think that that sounds like a wonderful thing to aim for for everyone (laughs) absolutely (laughs) trying to avoid stress guys like we're good (laughs) the one thing I would say on that note is stress only exists within your body just remember that wow yeah I'd never thought of it like that before well that's upsetting (laughs) 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 right more bubble baths on the agenda Amazing. So um, where can the listeners find more of you online then, Amanda? So my website, happycoach.co.uk, and that's got links to all my social channels so you can come find me. Awesome. And I will, again, as always, pop all of your links in the show notes so the listeners can come over and find you and absorb your content, which would be absolutely wonderful. So thank you so much for sharing so openly about your business journey today. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Me too, Tammy. Thanks. Amazing. And listeners, as always, all of the links will be in the show notes. And if you'd like to see more of Amanda and her wonderfully calming, rebellious nature, go and have a little look there. And if you are enjoying the podcast, Can I ask that you tell just one other person about the Brand Lounge and maybe recommend your favorite episode, maybe recommend them this episode. And it really does help me to grow the podcast and keep bringing all of these wonderful guests and episodes to you every week. And until next time, head over to our Instagram or Facebook community with the link in the show notes and we can continue these conversations in the Brand Lounge.